This morning, I'm going to lead you, share with you some thoughts from Luke chapter 19, and that is the parable of the ten minas. If you're familiar with the gospel, there is uh, in uh, Matthew 25 called the parable of the talents. Um, quite similar, but also a bit different. So today, because we are going through Luke Gospel, I have changed my sermon. Original sermon is the parable of the sower, uh, but we'll swap it with this particular parable so that I can tie this sermon together with the presentation. But before that, I want to read through this text, two and a half minutes, uh, so that the word of so that you can listen and hear the entirety of the word of God in context. Let me begin. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king, and then to return. So he caught ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Minas, one mina is equivalent to about three months' wages, about 100 denarius. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Now take charge of ten cities. The second came and third and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. And then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it and I have laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. It's very harsh words, isn't it? Towards the end of the conclusion of 
the third servant who did nothing about it. But you must understand that Jesus' first coming is to save us. And His second coming is to judge. First coming, to deliver, to save. Came as a baby, came as a child, Christmas time, humility. You will never see that when Christ come again. He will be to judge the world. It's consistent right throughout Scripture. When you are dead and gone from here, there will be no second chance. No second chance. Only now here on earth that you live under the age of grace. No second chance in the age to come. Jesus' return is to judge, no longer to save. So while it is harsh, it is the reality of consistent with the scripture position. You know, each parable has a context. Why did Jesus tell this parable? Sometimes, most of the parable, Jesus tells us why he's telling this parable. And in this particular parable, he has also given to us the reason why Jesus went on to tell us about this parable of the minas or talents. It is in verse 11 that says, while they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Why? Because he was near Jerusalem. And the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They think that once Jesus head down to Jerusalem with his disciples, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom there. And Jesus is trying to tell them, no, 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 no. I know what you are thinking. I know that you think that we're going to set up kingdom now, especially to his disciples, that you spend three years together, you give up everything to follow me, and then now we are finally reaching Jerusalem and we're going to set up the kingdom there now. Jesus is saying, no, 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 I know what you're thinking. I'm going to tell you this parable to tell you that no, not yet. There will be a long period of time, long period of time, that Jesus has arrived, he has ushered in the kingdom of God, and then he will be crucified, die on the cross, resurrected, ascended to heaven, send the Holy Spirit down for all the disciples. He will then return in the future. And that is why the parable is taken. So what Jesus is saying, this is what you must do while you wait for my return. Because I'm going to return. What must you do while in this period of waiting? So if you are tired, if your eyes are a little bit heavy, I want you to at least take this home with you today. In a summary of one sentence, this is what we ought to do as believers between the first and the second coming. While we wait for Christ to return, we are not waiting passively or doing nothing. We wait and we have to work. This is what Jesus is saying. Wait for the Lord Jesus' return as slaves commissioned to improve their master's asset. That is the summary of this parable. Wait for the Lord Jesus while you wait for the master to return. You are commissioned to improve your master's asset. Because he's going to return. So while you are here, what are you supposed to do before he returns? 
It's just like parents going away and tell the children, you do this, kind of water my plant, you know, make sure you clean my house, check my car, start the car, make sure his battery is not flat, you know, all these kind of things that you, you are given instruction in a sense to do. Uh, so this is a summary of this parable. Wait for Jesus to return as slave commissioned to improve our master's asset. So let me give to you three points and then I'll unpack it. First and foremost is kingdom responsibility. The masters leave and the masters leave behind some instructions to his followers, his servants. And he gave them each a mina. And this is his instruction as he gives each mina to them. He said, put this money to work. Specific instruction. So the third servant has no excuse. He said, put this money to work. What are you going to do with this gifts, this money that's entrusted to us? So we have kingdom responsibility. As believers, we are waiting for Christ's return. All Christians believe Jesus will return in the future or should believe. This is part of a fundamental doctrine that Christ will return in the future and we are waiting for His return. So what must we do while we wait for His return? We put this money to work. We put these gifts that God has given us to work. Whatever gifts that God has given to you, this is your Christian life as a trust. God has entrusted this life to you. Taking this truth, the power of the Spirit, spiritual opportunities, spiritual gifts, spiritual privileges, everything that the Lord Jesus puts in your life, maximize it for His honor, for His glory, and improve His assets. That is our responsibility. Whatever the Lord has blessed you with, Use it for His glory. If you are a boss, you have employees under you, you are ruling over some staff, that is the privilege God has given to you. Use it to benefit the master's asset. If you are an employee, use it to benefit master's benefit. If you are parents, your grandparents, whatever responsibility you are given, use it all to improve our master's asset. Use it all. Don't just improve your own assets here on earth, which the Bible described like a moth that will eat away. You only survive during your time, and then you pass it on. Improve the master's asset that will last for eternity. Be wise. My friend, be wise. Always think of eternity. Don't just think of your retirement. Think of eternity if you are believers. And you have to invest in eternity. Whatever the Lord has blessed you, whatever the Lord has given to you, use it to improve His asset. Number two, why? There's a kingdom accountability. Because when we return, when Christ returns, we will have to give an account of the things that he has trusted us with. And the beautiful story of this is that the first servant, he came to the master and said, well, sir, this is your mina, and he has earned 10 more. This is what I call tremendous multiplication. We multiply 10 times. And then... The second servant, same, said, your mina has earned five more. 
is a good multiplication. And this is what Jesus said, or what the, the master, in this sense, God will say to us, but in that sense, master said to the servant, well done, my good servant. Well done, my good servant. And one of the two things I want you to take note is that it says here, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Now, take charge of 10 city. When I was reading the, uh, Matthew 25, which one talent is equivalent to 20 years wages. One talent. Because one, thousand, one talent is equal, equivalent to 6,000 denarii. There's 6,000 days of work. So one talent is equivalent to 20 years of work. And some are given 10 talents. So they have been given lots and lots and lots. And here, the master is saying, you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Is $10 million small matter? That puzzled me. So whatever that God has entrusted to us to use it to improve his mess asset is only a small matter. You don't know what is to come in the future. You don't know. Small matter, very, the emphasis is very small matter. Or uh, Matthew 25 says, You have been faithful with a few things, and now I will put you in charge of many things. And second thing I want to mention about the first two servants is not only trustworthy is a very small matter, but the reward is not rest but the opportunity for wider service. So that the reward is wider service in the future. I have to believe that there's a millennial kingdom. 1,000 years that Jesus uh, uh, will reign on earth. Whatever you want to categorize it, whether you're dispensationalist or your covenant theology and all that kind of things. Uh, I, I, the more I read the parable, I have to believe there is a millennium, 1,000 years reign of Christ on earth that those who are faithful will be given more responsibility to exercise during that time. So the reward is not rest. The reward is greater opportunity for service, wider service. So those are the two things that we need to mention about the first two servants. The kingdom responsibility is only a small matter, and the, 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 the service is an opportunity for wider service in the future. So don't think of heaven as sitting on a cloud, you know, floating in the air, some angels around you blowing the song, you know, lullabies, you know. And it's not, heaven is not like that, okay? Heaven is not like that. In what form, we do not know, but we just, from this here and there, uh, we know that reward is greater service. Now, I want to mention about the third servant. The third servant said, Here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Piece of cloth. He did not do anything about it. He just kept it. And then he said some very nasty words about the master, about him being hard and being uh, so in the reaping without sowing and that kind of things. So the question always asked is, who is the third servant? Is the third servant referring to believer? Is it referring to Christians? Or is it referring to non-Christians? Or is it referring to 
maybe someone, you know, always hang around church, been around church circles, but never really have a relationship with Jesus, never really surrender their lives to Jesus, never actually walk in faith, Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. Some people say that the servant is like, some people who have no rewards, but as what 1 Corinthians 13, 3 say, because Christians, our judgment is rewards. Our, our judgment is not between heaven and earth. It's what kind of rewards we'll receive as Christians. And this, in the context of rewards in 1 Corinthians 3, it says about our work, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. So there will be Christians who made it, but will have very little rewards because we have not invested in eternity. But I tend to think that this third servant, I believe that this third servant is someone who has never encountered or never really surrendered their lives to Jesus for, uh, for two reasons. The first reason is the word another. The word another. There are three servants. There's one first servant, second servant, but it never mentioned third servant. It mentioned another servant. It mentioned another servant. The word another in the original Greek word it simply means heterogeneous, meaning to say different. Heterogeneous means different. Heterodox as opposed to orthodox. Something that is not orthodox. Different. Here comes a different kind of person. Here comes a different kind of slave. He says, sir, this is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. And the second reason why I believe that this person is not a believer is because he accused God of something that no believers will do that. No believers, no one who, are, who is born again, who believe in Jesus, who walk in the Spirit, will ever accuse God as hard, harsh, uh, uh, sow what you, you, you reap, what you never sow. No one will accuse God of that. So it seems to me that this third servant or another servant does not know the king. He wrongly thinks of him as a harsh man, when in reality, if you look at the first two servants, how he rewarded them, he's actually a very generous person to the faithful slaves, contrary to what the third servant says. The third servant represents, I believe, people who are related to the king in that they are associated with the community and have responsibility in it, but nevertheless, their attitude shows that they do not see God as gracious and that they have not really trusted Him at all. So this is the false follower. He takes no responsibility for what he's done. He blames the nobleman. Now the king, of course, returned king. No true believer would act like this. This isn't a true believer. Failure to recognize the characteristics of God are a common mark of all unconverted people. Failure to recognize the characteristics of God are a common mark of all unconverted people. You see God 
wrongly. You interpret Him wrongly. But if you are exposed to God, you read your scripture, you pray, you listen to sermon, you will not come to the conclusion that God is like that. So as a result, my conclusion is this, another servant is not a believer. So there's kingdom responsibility. We are given responsibility. In the future, we have a kingdom accountability. We will have to give account of all that God has used and blessed us. I don't know how many of you here play golf. If you don't play golf, I hope you know the scoring system of golf. And I always say this, God will always judge us according to our handicaps. God will judge us according to our handicap. If you want a fair system, golf is a fair system in that sense. God will judge you according to how well you played that day according to your handicaps. It's not even if I may win the person playing with me, but I lose in the sense according to my own standards. So God will always judge us according to our handicaps. Much has been given. The Bible says much has been given. Much will be expected from you. Much has been given to you. Much more will be expected from you. So finally, kingdom lesson. We will have to give an account. Because kingdom responsibility, kingdom accountability. Finally, kingdom lessons here. Jesus is basically saying, while I'm away, I've entrusted you with your life, your gifts, whatever I bless you with. And in the future, you have, when I return, you have to give an account to me. And then he said this. The kingdom lesson is that faithfulness will be rewarded. As you see the first two servants, faithfulness will be rewarded. So Jesus' most basic point here is that the kingdom was not going to appear immediately. There would be a period of time during which the king would be absent before the kingdom would be set up again when he returned. So the gist of the sermon, as I said to you and I repeat again, wait for the Lord Jesus as slaves commissioned to improve our master's asset. My friends, we have been entrusted with much. We have been entrusted with much individually and corporately as a church. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord has blessed His church. This church has been renovated, fully paid. We want to use this church that God has blessed us with, these resources that we have, to further to build up the Master's asset. That's what we want to do. And so we have to think of ways to maximize these facilities that God has blessed us with. And so the time change is just one of it so that we can position ourselves in a way that will be able to be more conducive time slot for family with kids. So think about it today, that your faithfulness will be rewarded, and I pray that the Lord will use you in your own way, whatever the Lord has blessed you with, your ability, your gifts, your wealth, whatever, your privileges in your workplace, whatever the Lord has blessed you with. I pray and hope that you will always use it to invest and expand the master's asset 
for His glory. As a pastor, I think a lot for the church. I think what we can do to further His work, what we can do to improve His asset, what we can do to expand His work. And may the Lord use you in your ministry. Roll up your sleeves, serve the Lord. There are many ministries, uh, whether it's teaching English, whether it is uh, helping with the Sunday school, the youth group struggling with helpers. We ask you to help and pray for all this as we look forward to the future. Use your gifts, use your resources to improve our master's assets. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your reminder. Lord, it is a hard message to listen to, let alone to preach. Because we have been entrusted with responsibility before you return. And for us believers, we need to think of eternity. We need to think of future. We don't just want to think about our retirement. We don't just want to build our own assets here on earth. We want to use all the gifts you entrusted to us, wealth of experience that we've been through this world, hard knock. Or some people came to know the Lord in their 70s or 60s, the experience, the molding, the shaping. We want to use our life, our experiences, our resources to expand your, to give, to, to, to use it to benefit your kingdom work. Lord, life is so short. Life is like a mist that appears only for a little while and then it vanishes. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to be wise, to invest in eternity. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for granting us wisdom. As we sing this song, it reminds us of your wisdom, how great you are and we need so much of it. Thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name.